Hi, welcome back to Lit Crit Podcast, everyone. If you guys are new listeners, I want to say welcome to you guys as well. I'm so happy to have you guys listening in. So I'm actually having my tea steep right now. So I wanted to just do a little check-in before we dive into the book. So currently, like I said, my tea is steeping. Today's drink of choice is Royal English Breakfast Tea. So a personal favorite of mine. It's not chai tea, everyone. Um, I am reading The Maidens right now. It's really, really good. Potential spoiler, that may be the next podcast. I haven't made up my mind, but it's really good. Um, I'm reading The Maidens. I have been doing a little bit of Netflix watching. I've been watching uh, Friday Night Lights, and it's kind of giving me like all the reminiscent feels of what early 2000s television was when I like blanked out and just missed all of it so I am like re-watching it and I'm like was this like this is literally like early 2000s television I'm telling you guys I'm like this is what early 2000s television was so <laughs> I'm re-watching that when I'm not reading and so that's kind of been a recap of my week let me know how you guys are doing let me know how your guys's week was you can let me know at lit.crit dot podcast on our instagram that's our instagram handle um and as always send me recommendations let me know how you guys are comment like subscribe follow i would love to hear from you guys so now we'll dive into the actual podcast welcome everyone to week two episode two this week we're going to be covering five feet apart written by rachel lipnicott with mickey dottery and tobias Ioconis. This book has a lot of different things to offer and I'm so excited to dive in and discuss with you guys. This is a book that I kind of avoided reading for a little bit just because I was afraid that it was going to compare or hold a lot of similarities to The Fault in Our Stars written by John Green, but I was really pleasantly surprised to learn that it was kind of in a lane of its own. Obviously, it bears some similarities because both books are dealing with teenagers with terminal illness, but I can't wait to discuss it with you guys, and we'll get started. So we're going to start with our authors today, which are Rachel Lipnicott with Mickey Dottery and Tobias O'Connor. So obviously, this is a co-author type of situation. It's a little bit different than what we would normally see. And I think that's what makes this book kind of unique, having three different authors in on it. So basically what we have is that our screenplay authors, which are Dottery and Iconis, kind of wrote alongside Rachel while this book was being developed for the movie, which that kind of makes it a little bit different. It was written for the movie in a sense, instead of the book just being written by itself. And I really enjoyed the movie. I want to talk about that a little bit later. And it parallels the movie super, super well. Let me just say that first. But again, that's because it was written with screenplay intent with Daughtery and Iconis. And Daughtery and Lipnicott have worked together since this book has been written. So they worked together with the book all this time. And so this is not their first collab. And I don't think it will be their last collab at all. They've done amazing work together. And Rachel, this isn't her first book either five feet apart she has done a lot of work in the YA realm and so for instance like I said she did all this time and several other ones this is the only book that I've read by her 
Um, but I would read her work again. I really enjoyed her writing style. I enjoyed the multiple points of view in this. A little bit about her. She has a BA in English in writing from the University of Pittsburgh. So she is definitely an English major just like the rest of us. So I definitely think that kind of gave her a leg up in a sense. So she kind of knew what she was doing as far as creative writing goes. Not to say, like I said earlier, that you know you have to be an English major, have to major in creative writing because we see that's not true, especially with last week's author. But she definitely creates these really beautiful stories. And the other thing that I kind of want to hone in on here is not just a beautiful story, but she also has beautiful cover art. And I know that these last two weeks I have chosen books with beautiful cover art. But honestly, like I said, this cover art is gorgeous. And they have incorporated the symbolism of the front cover art into the book so well. So obviously the front cover art is a pair of lungs and there are flowers and vines and leaves coming out of it and it's meant to resemble lungs and they kind of symbolize that obviously all into a tree which is like kind of the tree of life symbolism with the sternum of the lungs kind of paralleling to like a tree trunk but it's so much more than that obviously we're seeing kind of a shift with artist and author cooperation so obviously in the past there's been issues with the artist not really listening to the author when it comes to cover art just because publishing companies outsource the book like with a bid for the cover art and the artist doesn't always read the book or the publishers kind of pick what tests best with a focus group instead of going with what may actually represent the book the best and so it kind of seems like we're moving in a positive direction where the artist and the author are communicating effectively and the publishing company is kind of letting up and letting the author and the artist kind of communicate and say what's best for the book because sometimes the cover art on there like has no correlation like makes no sense to what the actual storyline is so I'm kind of glad that we're making a positive move towards more cooperation and more symbolism and artistry and literature are being fully incorporated together. Um, so I'm excited that that's happening. So I cannot wait to actually discuss the literature. But before I do, as you guys know, I always do a little uh, music nod and I do a little bit of artistry nod as well on my own. So at the end of this podcast, I will be talking about the playlist that I found that were inspired by Five Feet Apart. Obviously, there is a cinematic playlist because this book is a movie like I said I'll be talking about that as well but I also wanted you guys to check out some of the artists that created the playlist on their own took their own time to do it I've checked them out on Spotify I've checked them out on Apple Music and I want you guys to check them out so I'll talk about them towards the end of this podcast so let's jump right into the literature of it all I cannot wait to discuss So a little synopsis of our book before we jump into a character analysis or like a story analysis. Um, But basically, our book, Five Feet Apart, follows the story of Stella Grant and Will Newman. And Will and Stella are two CFers. And because they have CF, they have to stay six feet apart. And it's the story of kind of how they fall in love and how they manage to steal one feet back and kind of try to beat the odds of not being able to be together so that is a little synopsis of the book it was a great read stay tuned to hear more about the characters my favorite moments in the book 
and we'll dive right in. So we are going to jump in to the literature of it all. I cannot wait. So the first thing that I want to talk about is what is cystic fibrosis. Obviously, the book tells us what it is, and we are able to read about it from Stella's point of view, and we're obviously able to see it in the movie, but I wanted to do my own research, and so I found a definition that I liked, which was cystic fibrosis affects the cells that produce mucus, sweat, and digestive juices. It causes these fluids to become thick and sticky. They then plug up tubes, ducts, and passageways. And so this was kind of able to give me a better mental picture physically of what was happening in the bodies of our main characters. And I thought that was super important to kind of understand what they were going through both mentally and physically because this disease is not only playing the mind game, but it's playing the physical game. And the physical game is affecting the mind game of these 17-year-olds. I think that's what's so important to know is that these are 17-year-old kids dealing with a terminal illness. Like, not only is it, like, attacking their bodies, their own bodies are attacking them. It's an autoimmune disorder. They are also having to deal with the fact that, like, they're dying. Like, they're having to acknowledge that, knowing that there is no cure for them. That these lungs that, you know, Stella talks about, like, it may buy them six more years at most, you know, so there is no cure, you know, there's nothing that's going to make them magically better and they have to deal with the mentality that they are going to die. And that's a lot for a 17 year old. And obviously, you know, I want to note that this is a story of terminal patients towards the end of their life. Obviously, it doesn't mirror everyone's CF experience. So it's kind of important to note that. And I wanted to like put that out as a disclaimer. This is obviously a different story than somebody else's maybe with cystic fibrosis so I wanted to talk about that just before we like jump into their story so I just wanted to let everybody know because everyone's walk is different everyone's disease is a little bit differently but obviously you know this is a terminal illness and I just thought it was important to acknowledge that so now we'll jump in to the book itself. So obviously we have two main characters in this book. We have Stella Grant and Will Newman and Stella Grant is our female main character and she struggles with the terminal condition like we talked about of cystic fibrosis and she's in high school. She's got two best friends and she struggles with both CF and OCD and I thought it was important to talk about her OCD and I really wanted to understand where her OCD came from on a better level because obviously she has the need to control her surroundings and what is going on not just in her own life but everyone's life and we kind of see that with Will and there's examples of her OCD and I mean it's what keeps her alive I mean it's what keeps Will alive obviously as we know but her list and her med cart and her creating the app and her need to even control, you know, Will's regimen. Those are all examples of, you know, OCD, of needing to control the situations around her. And I didn't want to throw OCD around as a light term here because obviously we've seen, you know, the use of that term become very lax in today's society. Obviously people are like, oh, I have OCD when they really don't have OCD. OCD, you know, is a medical condition that, you know, causes disruption to, you know, people's lives. And it obviously contributes to her life in a very different way her OCD is kind of what keeps her on track and keeps her alive in a sense and 
I honestly think that her need to control things comes from the fact that she can't control the inevitable truth, which is that she's dying. And obviously, we kind of get to understand her character on a more personal level when we figure out that her sister, Abby, had died in a tragic accident. And so, obviously, that only aggravated the issue. And so, she kind of has this feeling that she's got no other choice but to live. And she kind of admits that later on through the book but she was a super interesting character to kind of read I really enjoyed getting to kind of see her story her love story and her life story through her eyes but I liked also seeing it through Will's so I kind of wanted to break down her character not just through you know the mental landscape of it all of like her need to control but also you know her journey so Stella Grant, obviously, 17-year-old girl, two best friends, struggling with, like I said, OCD and cystic fibrosis. I love the fact that she chose every single day to get up and keep living, like, no matter what. Like, obviously, she's struggling with so much. Like, she's 17 years old, and like I said, she's struggling with the inevitable truth that she's dying, and she's bearing the pressure and the weight of the fact that like her parents like have just gotten a divorce due to like Abby's death and like not being able to like cope together and like she's like feeling like she needs to hold her family together and she feels like she needs to be the backbone the tree trunk if you will of her family and she feels like she has to stay alive for them and that is so much that's so much mentally to put on this like 17 year old and I don't think a lot of people like realize that and I talk about this a lot but I feel like a lot of the times we don't pay enough attention to the mental state of the characters within the books like we're reading their personal narratives and we just keep flipping through and we don't take time to sit down and say hey like this is how our main characters are doing like this is the mental like capacity that they're in this is the mental state that they're in this is what they can handle and she's at the verge of breaking in this book and let me tell you why she feels responsible for everyone else's life but her own in a sense and obviously that probably doesn't make sense like oh she's doing you know she's doing her treatments she's you know she's organizing her med car and you know she's you know doing all these things but yes that's true but she's living for everybody else she's not living for herself and I think that was what was so heartbreaking to read is that I felt like she was living for everybody else but she wasn't living for herself you know she was doing it because everybody was asking her to because she felt like she needed to not because she really wanted those new lungs and for herself you know what I mean we said at the end of the book when she refuses to go to the hospital to get them I mean she sees what Will's been talking about this entire time that you know all of this is going to come to an inevitable end and she kind of accepts it in a sense the ending oh my gosh also like it just made me like weep like a baby for probably 30 minutes it was I, I, I have no words for the ending but that was the first thing to really note about her is that her entire narrative throughout this book is just heartbreakingly close to mental destruction in my opinion in my opinion she was so she was teetering on the edge and I mean we see that and I think that all comes crashing down when her best friend dies when when Poe dies and I honestly was a wreck like I was a wreck when he died he was such a pivotal character in this book and I mean he was such a pivotal character for her he was keeping her on track you know he was helping her through it like she felt like she had somebody else with her that understood 
what she was going through kind of like you know you've been through the war with me like you you know what it's like like you share the same scars that I do in a sense and so when he passed I mean it everything that she had been going through came crashing down and so like like I said she is a super interesting character to read about because she's a fighter like I mean she's a fighter I think that's the only way to that's the only adjective to describe her as a person I mean she's a fighter like that's what she does that's who she is so I think I want to talk about her in the aspect of not just being a fighter but I also want to talk about my favorite moments that she had kind of going through the book um I really loved her support like of her best friends so obviously her best friends are on this vacation like across the globe this like tropical vacation and they call her and she's happy like she's happy for their successes and it's so easy to fall into the trap of like oh my gosh I'm so sad that they're there and like I'm not there and you know I could be angry and bitter but she is so supportive of her best friends and that's like the first thing that I love about her character is that it wasn't jealousy it wasn't bitterness it was support and like I admired that about her character and I love, 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 like I said, I love her relationship with Poe. I love, like I said, that they kind of share those same battle scars that she had somebody to like FaceTime with while they were doing their treatments and like share like, hey, like this is what's going on in my life. What's going on with yours? Like for advice and for friendship and to kind of just be there and be real. I loved that for her. I loved any scene that she had with Poe. I was there for, I literally was like reading it. And I was like, these two are like, are like soulmates as far as best friends go and I loved the conversations that she had with her nurse like that for me was like it like her nurse honestly was my favorite like part of the book one of my favorite parts of the book because I think her nurse has like been a maternal figure to her and I think she was real with her right like she was able to say like hey like this is what you're going through sweetie and like it sucks and it's terrible but like you can be real with me and I also love that Stella like had this list like I love that Stella had this list of like things that she wanted to accomplish and honestly like it's a little I don't know if morbid's the right word but like she was achieving what she wanted to achieve for herself. And I think that was something that she needed to do for herself because like I said, she's living for everybody else. She wasn't living for herself, but she was doing something for herself and she was creating these vlogs and she was, you know, learning to speak French. And she was, you know, I mean, she was doing everything that she could possibly do and accomplish in the short time that she was given. And so, like I said, she's a fighter. She's a go-getter. She's going to do what she can do and that's what I love about her character so it was honestly so nice to read the book from her perspective I really enjoyed it like her chapters were interesting I'll say the other thing that I thought was interesting about the book and like about her character is her connection to like infants like and loving babies and I thought the interesting thing that was kind of a scene where she like was talking with nurse julie and obviously nurse julie's pregnant and she asked her if she wants to feel the baby kick in she says no you know i don't want to risk messing up that perfection and i mean she's thinking that to herself she doesn't really tell nurse julie that but 
I thought it was so interesting that like being that close to feeling like, you know, you're going to like pass it or you're going to give it or you're going to, you know, mess it up or screw it up. Like she's so concerned. She's such a compassionate and caring, warm character, but also looking at it on the flip side, you know, also that connection to new life and that like seeing those going to the NICU and hoping those like little babies pull through. And so Like I said, I loved her character. I loved getting to read from her point of view. It was a good, it was a good read. So that's her. So we'll, it's a little bit about Stella. So we'll pause there and then I'm going to talk about Will. Okay. So I absolutely adored Will's character. Like I literally could feel him like in the sense of like, like I said, I literally could feel his energy while I was reading the book. And that's like super rare. I feel like but I could envision him so well. And Will is our character with B. Cepatia. He also has cystic fibrosis, but B. Cepatia has basically reduced his chances of living even longer by like tenfold. And he is like the bad boy character of our book, not just in the sense of like, I'm going to do wrong, but I'm also going to just say like screw it like this is my life I'm gonna live it the way I want and I kind of wanted to start talking about his mental state and his mental capacity like as well he is going through like a very depressive very like interesting time because he's like accepted the fact that he's gonna die like he's accepted it and I think that's what makes his character so morbid you know what I'm saying like he knows that death is coming he knows that it's unavoidable but it makes him cynical and it's hard to like him as a character in the beginning because you're like there's hope like maybe like maybe things could get better and then he you realize like no like things are not getting better things are getting like only worse and like you hear him and Stella have these conversations where it's like I think about my last breath like that's honestly so terrible to think. I mean, think about it. Like, I don't know how many people go around like thinking like, oh, this is going to be my last breath. But like they're terminal cases. I mean, like that's what they think about. Like, when am I going to pass? Like I'm going to pass. It's inevitable. I have less time here than everybody else. And I mean, I'm going to be realistic with myself. And he's realistic. And like, I think a lot of people don't like his character because he's realistic or cynical but I mean he's facing the world without rose-colored glasses on so to speak and realizes the gravity of his situation and I think that's what makes his character so special and so endearing is that like he's not going to give you the bull he's going to be straight up with you and tell you like what's real and what's going on and I think that's why him and Stella butt heads at first because you know she wants everything to be perfect and controlled and he realizes that like he has no control in this world and I think it's a bigger arc it's a bigger picture that he realizes that he's just one person in the scope of many people like he's just one fish in an ocean so to speak and so obviously that's a deep spiral kind of a deep chasm to jump into and that's more of a question about life and what really is going on but he's grappled with the fact that life is just life And like, you know, it's not infinite. It's not ever going. I mean, it's not like pie. It's not like it goes on forever. And so he is definitely our bad boy. But I think he's only a bad boy to the core of it because, like I said, he's grappled with the idea that life isn't, 
just going to go on forever. And he realizes what he has and, you know, he knows how he wants to spend his time. And I think that's why him and his mom have such an issue. And I think his mom as a character, I think she's redeemable because when I was reading her, I was finding myself annoyed with her a lot of the time because I felt like she was very, I don't know if selfish is the right word, but I felt like she was ignoring Will's concerns. Like as a mother, like I felt like she wasn't hearing him, but I almost say at the same time, like there's no way that like you could watch your son knowing that he's dying and know that there's nothing to do. Like knowing there's nothing that you could do like and be okay with it. And I think that's what's so hard is that like it almost seems like she's emotionally disconnecting from that relationship. But I think it's self-preservation for her because, you know, sending him all across the world for different treatments, I think that's her way of showing that she loves him. And I love the scene where he opens up his present for his 18th birthday and it's like this strip of cartoons that are like super rare and then he realizes like hey like she has been paying attention to me like it's not like she was just shipping me all across the world because she wanted to get rid of me like it's because like she actually like loved me and like actually cared about me and I thought that was a very beautiful moment between the two of them and like I like love that their relationship was be able to like become redeemable like especially towards the end where we like find that like he's gonna go and like travel the world and like check in and like do what he needs to do but at the like the same time like you know check in with his mother and like you know have his mother's support like going through this so I just I don't know I thought that was kind of a beautiful transformative journey from the beginning because obviously from the beginning like they don't really speak they don't really get along and you know I think he holds a lot of resentment in his heart for her for doing that but at the same time like on the flip side like if that hadn't have happened we would have gotten there of like why didn't you try why didn't you send me more places like you're just leaving me to die so she's a good mom I just feel like her intentions maybe like were misconstrued um his dad I want to talk about like obviously his dad's mentioned like in this book kind of in a lax way just that he like took off but like that also has a big impression on Will you know he doesn't really have any super close bonds other than his two friends that kind of come and stay. But, like, you don't ever hear him mention, like, you know, like, anybody else really in the sense. And so, obviously, his dad leaving at a super young age obviously, like, had an impression on him in the sense of, like, people are leaving me. And, like, even onto the overarching theme, you know, when Stella has to go, you know, and has to leave him because it's not safe. So, I don't know. I just really thought that it was interesting that he kind of has this curse so to speak where people that he loves leave you know in a sense and his mother's always there and his friends are always there but there is this part of this situation where people have to go and it was really heartbreaking for me to kind of see that and realize that and kind of put those two and two together for his character um so now that we've covered them I want to cover Poe a little bit and I want to talk about his character. So I adored his character. I thought he was such a good, solid character for both Will and for Stella, like being there and being their emotional support. And I just want to say that his death was so hard for me. Like I was reading it and I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, we've just gotten through this like really nice center. And I was like, everything's going great. And I was like, you know, and I was like, they have to like 
kill him off. I was like, seriously, Rachel? I was like, I literally just, I literally just thought everything was going to be okay. That's how it always goes. I mean, everything's going smooth waters and then you're like, okay, some, like something's going to happen. Someone's got to die. And then it, and then it happens. Um, but now that I've kind of covered all like our three main CF, CFers here, I wanted to talk a little bit about our nurse. And so she was one of my favorite characters. And I mean this with all of my heart, with all of my soul, because like, honestly, like nurses are like the backbone of the healthcare system and they are so amazing and so anybody that's like listening to this podcast like you know what like a difference a good nurse makes and Will and Stella have the best nurse which is Barb and like Barb literally is there for them and obviously we see a little bit of her trauma in the book we learn that she had two CFers that had been in a relationship and it caused them both to kind of get Sapatia and obviously meet their maker so to speak um earlier than expected and they didn't get their new lungs and it was very hard for her and it kind of scarred her and you know they obviously go through a lot and so I just wanted to give her a nod because she's such a good character she's such a good character she's solid she's there for them and her mental state and like dealing with the trauma and watching her two CFers kind of go through the same situation that she had previously can't have been easy. And so I wanted to just talk about her and, you know, everything that she did for them and, you know, getting sell the new lungs and taking care of those kids. And I just wanted to also just say like, thank you to all the healthcare workers out there because like, you know, they do things that are unimaginable and they are like our everyday working heroes. So I just wanted to say thank you. So that's a little bit about them and about healthcare workers, but I wanted to talk about Stella and Will's relationship. I just wanted to say, like, it was such a beautiful, like, a such, such a beautiful progression. Like, obviously, we have, you know, Stella not really liking Will and, like, his bad boy attitude of not caring about life. And then, you know, they make the deal where she says, like, yes, you can draw me, but I have to, like, you know organize your med cart and so like I have to put you on my app and we're gonna do our treatments together and at first it's just kind of a responsibility like obviously she finds him attractive but I think at first it's just like hey like this I need to do this one because I have you know OCD and like I need to be in control of the situation but two I think she felt responsible for him in a sense because she I felt like she just couldn't watch him waste his life away of the precious time that he did have but obviously it kind of goes from that to the flip of them kind of slowly falling in love and I literally was here for it like for every single moment and for every single step they took and I loved that like they started doing their treatments together and I loved that like he was there for her when she was talking about Abby during like missing her during the first surgery and like when he sang the song like a bushel and a peck I literally was like are you being serious I was like this is like the cutest thing that I've ever like read um but really the cutest moment for me is when he like taped the drawing which is actually the front cover on like top of the surgery like area like so she when she fell asleep that she would look at it I was like that is adorable I was like if I could only get a boy to do that for me I was like that's like some extreme like that's how you know like it's love like if a boy is sneaking in to the surgical floor for you to paste 
a picture of your sister's drawings, I was like, that's, that's like, that's dedication right there. But he, like, they're going to extreme lengths to be with each other. And obviously it's not safe and it's not, you know, it's not healthy, like by any means, because, you know, they're risking their lives every second that they are together, but like they find a way to make it work. And I was rooting for them until the very end, which was the inevitable end, which we find out like, you know, they're, they can't be together because Stella gets her new lungs and Will has Bisapatia and, you know, he can't continue to risk her life because he loves her. And, you know, it was really interesting to me because he said, you know, I always thought that like, it was a stupid quote, like if you love something, let it go. And if it comes back to you, you know, it was yours. And if it doesn't, it was never yours in the first place. And he says that he finally understands it because he loves her so much that he can't risk her, you know, risk her life. And it was such an act of love to me. And like, that's how I knew these characters were kind of like, I think meant to be is the wrong term to like use here because obviously they weren't allowed to be together in this life. But I feel like meant to be in the sense that like, had this not been their story had they been just two normal teenagers they would have been perfect for each other and I mean that with my whole like heart and soul because like they were literally going through I mean absolute tragedy absolute like I mean in a sense because you know it was almost like the story of Romeo and Juliet you know they weren't allowed to be together and it was just I don't know it was a hard read to know that like at the end it was all gonna come crashing down and it did um and their ending goodbye scene was so hard for me to read because like you know when he says I can't you know leave with you watching me I literally was like sobbing into my book and I I was just crying for them because like I said you're like rooting for them but like you know something bad you know something bad is going to happen but you're rooting for them and I loved how his heart softened I loved how Will's heart softened through this relationship I love that he was able to realize that, like I said earlier, that, like, letting her go was, like, was love. Letting her, like, live her life healthily, like, in a healthy way was love. And, like, that's what love is when it comes down to the core of me. Love is selfish. Love is selfless, not selfish. Um, But he wasn't selfish with her. You know, he was able to say, you know, hey, like, I love you enough to let you go. And I just thought that was, like... I don't know. I just thought it was beautiful. And the ending for me, like I died. Like when they were in the airport, I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, they're going to be together. I was like, they can see each other. And I was like, they both know that they're okay. I was like, they've made it. Like it's like life is going to be okay. So I loved their relationship. I loved the progression of it. I thought it was, like I said, so beautiful, so sweet. And I just, I thought it was such a good read. I highly recommend if you haven't read it. Um, Now I'm going to talk about the movie. So obviously the movie parallels Five Feet Apart so, so well. And it would, obviously, because it was being written as a screenplay while the book was being written. So it's definitely a beautiful movie. I basically cried for all of it. Poe's death scene hit me super hard, as well as the scene when Will leaves Stella. Like, I was literally, like, bawling like a child. Um... But I really recommend you guys watch it. It was so good. And like the larger message that I kind of wanted to take away with from this minus five feet apart the book and kind of minus five feet apart the movie is that like it has really got me thinking that like during this COVID season that we're going through, like during everything that's happening, like 
it's called five feet apart because they steal one inch away because like cf has taken so much from them like that's what they kind of say that's what stella says that like she does five feet apart because six feet seemed impossible like it just seemed impossible to her in a sense like she wanted to do she wanted to beat the impossible and it got me thinking about how we've all had to stay six feet apart and like mask up like they have had to do and i mean i think about it all and i'm like we like can like semi-sympathize what these people are going through and it was crazy to me because i read this book with a whole new perspective than what i would have and i like i'm not saying that like i went through what they went through because i will never be able to understand but like it gave me such a better perspective and such a better like understanding in a sense of what they would have been going through and what they would have been feeling because you know we were unable to touch some of our loved ones we were able to hug on like we weren't able to hug them we weren't able to you know say like hey like come over hey you know like we weren't able to do that and so I was able to read with this with a much better understanding than I would have maybe two or three years ago so I definitely thought that was kind of an interesting thing to have been able to go have been able to go through that and say like hey like I kind of understand in a sense you know I, I understand you know maybe not being able to like do what you want to do because we've gone through this virus and this virus kind of showed us so I wanted to say like it was just it was a different read than I think it would have been two or three years ago um so obviously like you guys know at the end of every read I drop a track or two depending on what I have been listening to so I've been listening to these all week in my car so obviously I listened to the five feet apart soundtrack the actual cinematic soundtrack but I also listened to the one where it's like it all the different songs um throughout the movie and it's not just like like the orchestra side of it but Raziel Ignacio I'll link her stuff in my Instagram at lit.create.podcast um she has songs from Kygo, Andy Grammer and Let's see. I'm trying to look at what else. Oh, Novo Amor. Love Novo Amor. She also has the um, actual like songs from the soundtrack on there as well. But like it's more like the movie soundtrack of like what comes on like during the movie, which I thought was super interesting. The other ones that I looked at were from Amber Van, I think, right? It's 58 minutes and it has some similar songs. So it has like medicine and it has don't give up on me but it also has like let her go always remember us way by lady gaga rewrite the stars so those are a couple that i found on spotify so for apple music i wanted to pull that up really quick while i'm doing that if you guys have any recommendations that you guys liked or like as far as albums or like playlists go let me know send them my way i will repost them but for five feet apart the one that i was listening to was the one by levi whithawker i will link it but basically it's all the songs from five feet apart excluding instrumentals so i thought it was really good you guys will have to give it a listen i really enjoyed it um i hope that you guys love this podcast stay tuned for next week as always follow us listen in subscribe send any questions any thoughts comments to our instagram lit.crit.podcast and i can't wait to talk with you guys next week bye